All right, let me introduce um, each of us. Uh, did I get you? I missed you, George. Sorry. I'll, I'll come back. Oh, I do? Okay. So, I don't know how do I escape here. <laughs> um, let me introduce myself. My name is Terry Frisbee. Um, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. I am married to Paula, who is in the far back corner. Um, at least, at least she came. Um, she, she and I have been part of Otter Creek since 1981. Now we did take a two-year sabbatical these past couple years and went to Atlanta. Um, other than traffic, um, we learned to play bridge. Some great Catholic friends that play bridge every Monday night in the basement, and we learned to play bridge. Not great, but I'm a good dummy hand you ever needed. Um, I have spent my career in human resources, mostly in healthcare and, and variety of fields. We have three children who grew up here at Otter Creek, and we have six granddaughters. I would love a grandson, but my son needs to get busy. Um, I'll, I'll give you my biases up front. So you know how I think, and you'll see them come out, and I just want you to be aware ahead of time. I consider myself reformed in faith. And by that I mean you'll hear um, ways of thinking that come more out of the Reformation. They come, I like the Dutch, frankly, um, and I learned um, coming out of college that I liked the systematic approach to faith that came out of that perspective, and so you'll hear that at times. If I were to summarize it in an um, elevator speech, it would sound something like this. God is the initiator of my salvation. He gave it to me completely, and He sustains me forever. He, so you, you remember the, the Reformed phrase, sola dea gloria? Only God deserves the glory. And so that's, that's the center of what you'll hear as I um, talk a little bit about my faith as well. And then my cohort in crime is George Parks. George and I will be, we'll be hosting this uh, class, uh, tr doing some of the teaching, but also mostly doing the hosting. Uh, George is from Scottsboro, Alabama. He went to Lipscomb, got a bachelor's in chemistry in 1971, which is where he and I met. And he is much older than I. He then went on to the University of Heidelberg, where he was a DADD scholar, got, went to Rice University, and got a PhD in chemistry, in physical chemistry, and in 2008 retired and came back to Nashville. Um, is that it, as opposed to spiritual chemistry? Or? The best kind of chemistry there is. Oh. Of course it is. Worked for a gas and oil company for years um, and is now part of um, Otter Creek. So today, here's what I'd like to do. Um, yeah. Say what? I'm married. Oh, I didn't. And married to Vicky. I apologize. 18 years, I've had There you go. Now, here's what George and I are not. We are not biblical scholars. Um, I don't know Greek or Hebrew. I don't need you don't either. I have a good thesaurus now online and a great big fat one on my shelf in my office at home. Um, we are not people who have all the answers. I do. 
Okay. George does. But we will journey together. We'll ask questions together. We want to talk in this class, not a lectureship. Um, but we want to play a video. We want to, uh, we'll bring ideas and thoughts of our own, but um, we really want it to be a discussion among us to talk and open it up for a conversation as we look at the, um, the Old Testament. Um, let's see. All right, so let me, let's pass out, pass out the schedule. In the middle. <coughs> we're passing out, we have a schedule of topics we're going to cover, as well, as well as people who are going to be facilitating um, our discussion. And you'll be able to see them um, on there. So here's what our time together will look like. Some of the, on the right hand side, let's do topic videos we're going to show. So, and this, this will be important because I'm going to encourage you to go to the website we're going to give you in a minute. And look at some of these. They are, this is an organization um, called the Bible Project. That is, they put together just a great deal of material. And it's, it's really interesting, and I think, I'm going to use the word orthodox. Um, it is faithful to Scripture. It is faithful to the teachings of Jesus. It is... I think a great resource, a library of materials to ask and answer questions and look at things that, um, I, I, frankly, I hadn't before. So, so here's what you'll see. We're gonna, today we're going to look at the video, What is the Bible? It's a seven-minute video. It's going to give us an overview of how the scriptures came together, um, what we know about it. And then they're going to talk us through it, and then we'll stop and we'll talk. That's how we'll do this. So next week, we're going to do Genesis, all of Genesis, in one week. That gives me about 10 to 15 minutes for the first half and 10 to 15 for the second half. So you can see they're going to hit key topics. Um, and, and I want to take the time then to review them and discuss them so that we get something out of it. We pull out some more details as they mention it. Sin is a big one next week. And so they have a view of what the nature of sin is that I think is pretty on target. And so it's fun to look at that way. The week after that, we'll do Exodus. George will then do Numbers and Deuteronomy. Nancy Posey's going to lead us the week on June the 30th to look at, we're going to start looking at the liter literary styles of the Old Testament. There, there's poetry. There's There's... Um, things that um, I think I missed growing up about the Old Testament that bring a fullness and a richness that I think we want to look at. So she'll have both June 30th and July the 7th about literary styles and narrative. Sandy Collins, who's sitting back here, is going to do the week of July the 14th and look at poetry for us. George is going to come and do Job. 
Yeah. She's going to do Joe. You're going to do Joe. Okay. Yay. Great. <laughs> um, I, thank you. I appreciate that. So, so Sandra's going to do Joe. Hilton Dean, sitting up here on the front row, is going to do August 11th. And I asked him to look at leadership. So we've got the Sauls and the Davids and all that stuff going on during the two books of Samuel and Chronicles there. George will come back and do Prophets. And you see, we don't know what we're doing the last week. I'll bet we have lots of material left over, frankly, um, at that point in time. Um, but we ju really just want to look at what does the Old Testament bring to us? What does it give us? Okay. So I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we didn't do Old Testament much. We did it when up till I was about 11. And then we lost the stories. Um, and I think some of the reasons we lost them is it was slow reading. The genealogies went on forever. The, the dietary laws went on forever. At the end of which the teacher always said, well, we don't have to pay attention to that anymore. You know, there's been a red line drawn in the sand, we've moved on. Um, it's also a very different world at that point in time. Um, there's, there's multiple wives, there's war, there's cruelty um, in the way people treated each other, um, the way they stole from each other, the way, I mean, just, it, it's a world that, um, that, that I, I'm not familiar with. I'm more and more in the news I am, but, but I'm not familiar with that world. Um, and we've kind of cut it off, and it's ended up, I'm afraid, um, becoming insignificant. Yeah, I'm going to need to move again, George. This isn't blinking for me. Nope, I still got slow reading. Nope, there we go. We want to take a look at the Old Testament um, differently. I think the Old Testament, I'm not supposed to do that. I think the Old Testament um, is richer in some ways because I think it's messy and therefore more real to me. Um, it's messy from the point of loyalty. I mean, I'm, I do daily Bible reading, and David is just now coming into Jerusalem. And everyone's coming up to him, and he's remembering those that were loyal and took care of him, and he's remembering those who were not. Um, he's pardoning those who were not, and then Solomon gets them later. But, you know, it's, 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 it's messy, but it's, it's real life to me. It's also a more diverse literature that we hope to capture in this class. I think we get a better understanding with the tools we're going to learn from Nancy and from Sandy and from the people who are going to look at the literature for us there. And I think it gives us a better awareness of us as an image bearer of God. Um, that Genesis story talks about that we're created in the image, both male and female, that we have um, an obligation, that we have an obligation for all of creation. That we're to plant, we're to protect, we're to nurture, we're to do all those things. And I, it gives, in my mind, um, it gives a, I think, a broad view of creation and our view in it. And it changes lives as a result of it.
Um, there is a being a closet Presbyterian. Um, there's a concept the Presbyterians, the Reformed Church has as a whole. It's called um, general revelation and common grace. And the idea is that God has revealed Himself generally, not in the Bible, not in Jesus, not, but generally He has shown Himself in all of creation. It's also in Romans 1. Yeah, where it's evident. Okay, so that's where it came from. Um, that there's a general... I think the Old Testament gives us that. We get a rich picture of God's general revelation to the world. And then we see His specific mission in terms of calling out His people. In terms of raising up a leader. In terms of doing, I'm specifically, I am taking us to Jesus. Specifically, I am headed for Messiah. But generally, here's what I'm doing. There are phrases in the Old Testament that I find um, encouraging, but disturbing. The evil must be removed from the land. There is a, there's a justice that is harsh. As we look through that entire um, Old Testament, we'll see that. But I'm, I'm, I want you to see as we talk this quarter, um, there's a continuity. It's the same God. We can't write off the Old Testament that's a God we don't know. Because it's He. He's the same God coming through. It's the same story coming through. Fall. Deliverance, fall, deliverance, all the way through. It's the same faith. We're told that in the New Testament, looking back at Abraham. Abraham was justified because he believed, and you should too. And so we see that same faith all the way, same promise, same hope. Hebrews says that to us. No one's gotten the rest yet. Same promise, the presence of God will be ours. So there's, there's. I want you to see as we move through the Old Testament that um, this isn't something that is foreign, but it does building. It does evolve. He adds new things. It grows. So we will see that as we go through this as well. All right. You didn't... I don't, yeah, don't touch it. I got a trick. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you a question. In thinking about the Old Testament, a good way to try and understand how we should think about it is to ask, how did Jesus think about the Old Testament? This is where I stop. <coughs> he sure quoted it a lot. He quoted it a lot. Yeah, he, did. he did. And what would you glean something from that? The basics, the beliefs, the structure, the, the God that uh, <coughs> he worshiped and wanted us to worship. He prayed for 
came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill He lived the law. That was his, that was everything. The sound, he had it memorized. He interpreted it too. He did interpret it. And you see that dichotomy between what they were doing versus what he understood. Yep. Yeah, when the when the law took over and he walks in and throws out the money chain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When he healed on the Sabbath, yeah. When he uh, uh, when they when they were eating grain on the Sabbath, he quoted David's use, etc. Yep. He believed that it came from God. He did. Or he affirmed that it did. Either either word would work. I'm going to add a word, John. Um, I think he thought it was authoritative. So if it came from God, therefore. Um, and I would think of the time when he was out in the desert and being tempted. And he said, it's written. You know, don't, don't, don't. It's, let me give you authority above that. Now you had to. Something else I've realized in terms of the, the temptation, for instance, is that he didn't just dip in and pick out a verse, but when he quoted the scripture, he was quoting it to people who are aware of the context, and a lot of times it was much more loaded than we realized. Yeah. Um, I can't capture all that, so I'm going to say loaded. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. And his audience was primarily Jewish. So it wasn't a, it wasn't really culturally Gentile. It was more like she was saying, people would understand the imagery and the language he would, he would use. Yeah, and sometimes it made him really mad. Uh huh. Yeah. So I saw one the other day that just struck me, and it was when he was going into Jerusalem, uh, or laying down the palm leaves, etc., etc. They told him to shut those people up, and he said, if those people stop, the rocks will cry out. Uh -huh. Well, I don't know exactly what he was referring to, but I think he was referring back to the rocks when they crossed the Jordan and they left two and a half tribes back. Right. They built an idol to re and then rocks. The Israelites were going to come and they were going to wipe them out because they thought they were being unfaithful. They said, no, no, no. When you forget that we're part of you, these rocks will cry out that you remember. And I think he was, he was just like you said, he was saying, you know what I'm talking about. Here. And then the next thing they said was, I've got to kill him. So, John, yeah. that you might say it's a, it was a targeted narrative because we know that by the account of Moses' father-in-law, he was a priest but outside this narrative. But he worshiped, worshiped hell all y'all. Yeah, it was wor always worship. All right, now there you go. Question: Did the pre-incarnate Jesus, who in John one was God, the Word of God, cause the words to be written by the authors of the Old Testament? Um, I don't know that. I don't. It's just a question. There are some places where um, I would argue. Yes, and there are some places where I would argue no. There are some places where God says, write this down. And it says that in the text. 
Um, and there are other places where it doesn't say. It's like a recounting of our story, our, um, our faith walk, our history. So I bet it's a combination. Now remember, I am not a theologian. So if I have a frisbee theory, I'll warn you, and that's mine. And there you go. If in 2 Timothy, Paul says that all scripture is... Is God breathed? Exactly. Then John 1, 1 through... Which I was about to say. Yeah, uh, in John 1, 1 through uh, 5, would mean that Jesus was the Old Testament. That Jesus, in the beginning of the Word... <coughs> The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought life to everything. I think Jesus would have been the physical embodiment of what we have in Scripture. I agree with that, absolutely. I think the Old Testament gives us um, a recounting of the moving towards Christ. And He gives us a look back that says, well, the time He walked in and He said... He read the scripture in the worship service, and then he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence today. And it was about Messiah. Um, I do think he knew he was there for that, and, and I think that's exactly what the Old Testament's about. It's pushing us to that. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not I agree. Absolutely I agree. And when you say the Word of God, I think He is the physical manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm not, I'm not double-talking you, William. Okay, yeah, I'm not trying to skirt you. <laughs> it looks like John was trying to say that, because like in the Greek, when you read it in that text, the word pros comes up, which gives you the understanding of that, like with a discussion going on between the Word and God, it was two or towards God. Like they were face-to-face. It's kind of interesting when you look at that yeah. aspect. Yeah, yeah. Listen, this is richer than... It's just rich. And so that's why I think it's going to take multiple perspectives. That's why I'm glad Sandy and Nancy and George. And I mean, this is, I hope this is as fun as I think it is um, and as rich as I believe it is. Um, Okay, I need to get to my video clip, uh, George. We're going to do our first video clip, and then we'll have a few minutes left to talk. Did the handout. Here's a stop. Here's the BibleProject.com. So feel free. It's free. You can download their stuff. This is a not-for-profit organization. They'll share it with you. You can download it on. I did on my PowerPoint, and I can click on it and show you a video today. I mean, it is. They are. They are raising money. You'll every once in a while you may hear a little advertisement at the end. Uh, but I think this is a strong group that. Um, that we can enjoy. Alright, you got it? Work class. Yeah. There we go. The Bible. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. 
But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all of humanity. And these prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death, life, and the human struggle. So, there's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually, they were conquered by the Babylonians, who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the Law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nebuchadnezzar, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophet's point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now, there were other Jewish writings being produced during this Second Temple period as well. Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures. So, this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this? Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then it's not concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward. Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff, was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead. Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news, or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel. So that's the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature? Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures. Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. We've got these other Second Temple period works. Then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature, so what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement has taken different forms over 2,000 years, and from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. 
The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the Deuterocanonical books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments. Okay, I think I got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story? Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video. Alright, what do you think? I think they're fun. I mean, they're short. You get to the point. Uh, I think it's going to lead us to a lot of discussion. We'll start with Genesis next week. We'll do the first half of Genesis. And then the second half of, in the second half of class. So we'll do, cover the entire book of Genesis next week. So um, hold on to your seats. Let's close with a prayer. Lord God Almighty. We believe that you speak to us through your word. Use it to teach us, to draw us to you, and to sustain us. And we pray through the risen Christ. Amen. Thank you.